Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am streaming live from my podcast studio at the Team Needham Abode. And I am super excited to have Dr. Jay Wrigley on our show today. While we wait to get him on, um, I'd like to make a couple notes about what we're going to be talking about. Uh, let me just stream the banner a little bit. Um, we'll be discussing... Um, he, Dr. Jay Wrigley wrote a book called The Hormone Optimization Diet. And as you guys know, um, Janet and I at Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy, we um, talk a lot about hormones. And we always do discuss with our patients how hormones are a piece of the puzzle. You can't just take hormones and magically um, get better, whether it be for your mental health or your physical health, you have to have a good diet also. And of course, you have to exercise and sleep also. That's a, that's a topic for a whole nother podcast. So while we wait to get Jay on our show, um, here's his website uh, about his hormone optimization diet. But what I wanted to mention is um, that the diet is like hormones are like a, and we've talked about this analogy before on our podcast, uh, actually a few weeks ago um, when Matt was on our podcast. And hormones are like a contractor at a, a, a job site. So hormones tell everything where to go, whether it be the wood or whether it be the plumbing or whether it be the fixtures, the, the hormones tell everything where everything needs to be put into place. Um, but our food, our diet, they it is the the structure of a building um, of our body, so to speak. So if we don't have a good found a good strong foundation, a good strong structure, doesn't matter what kind of hormones we're on, um, it, it won't they won't work optimal. So it's important to have a good a good healthy diet. Um, and what does what does that mean? Um, I, I will. And Jay gets on, he'll talk a little bit um, more about it as we're going to get him on. Protein. Um, let's talk about testosterone, for instance. Testosterone helps to build lean body mass. But if you don't have enough protein, then you're not going to be able to build lean body mass. Now, um, even if it's not – and there are some proteins that are essential, some that aren't are non-essential – um, so the best protein sources, if you want to build good lean mass are, is meat. Um, sorry, vegans and vegetarians out there. Um, it is much easier to build lean mass and to build, um, muscle with, with, uh, uh meat products than it is with, with, um, plant-based products. There are certain, uh, proteins that plants lack that, that, that meat has. So, um, I'm a big believer in, in a mostly a meat-based diet to optimize our hormones and to optimize our health in general. I think if you look at uh, evolutionarily speaking over generations, we were we ate mostly meat um, and we, we ate plants. We were, yes, we were hunters and gatherers and we ate plants only when we had to and when we didn't have something that we had hunted and killed and, and had large portions of meat. So um, I also think when we talk about hormones, we talk about hormone optimization diet. We have to speak about the effect of insulin. Yes, insulin is a hormone. Insulin is definitely a hormone. And if we have too much of it, we can be uh, have type 2 diabetes. 
have too little of it and you have type 1 diabetes. They manifest differently. Um, in a lot of ways, the medications prescribed are different. Um, but the diet to manage type 1 and type 2 diabetes is very similar, in my opinion. Um, you, you know, it's a carbohydrate metabolism problem. So you do have to eat less carbs and um, watch, watch what you eat and exercise. And it's a carbohydrate metabolism problem. So, but insulin, why do I talk about insulin as a hormone? Because I think I used to talk about how there were basically four different, three different body systems when we talk about hormones and it was your adrenal glands, um, thyroid and our sex hormones. So our adrenal glands are, are, um, add amino above renal kidney. So they're little pea sized glands that sit on top of our kidneys and they make hormones in response to stress. So specifically if you adrenaline, um, is associated with, with that gland. Um, so fight or flight hormone, fight or flight hormone, um, immediately adrenaline is what do you need right now? Immediately. And then cortisol more specifically is more for long-term stress over the day follows a diurnal variation. What does that mean? Cortisol should be produced in a diurnal variation, which means highest in the morning, slowly going down throughout the day, um, being lowest at like two o'clock in the morning when we should be sleeping REM sleep. Now, if your adrenal glands are shot and they're not working right, your cortisol will be really low in the morning. And that means that you won't be able to get out of bed. You'll be very tired. It'll be hard to be active during the day. Our adrenal glands prepare us for the stressors of the day, whether it be mental stress or whether it be physical stress. So if your cortisol is too low in the morning, you'll have a hard time getting out of bed. If it's too high at night, you'll have a hard time going to sleep. So they're very, they're important things to do to make sure that your cortisol follows that diurnal variation, um, which basically means you need to follow diurnal variation means we work during the day, we're active during the day and we sleep at night and get a regular pattern of that. So I used to say that adrenals were on the top. If your adrenals weren't healthy, your thyroid wasn't going to be healthy and then your sex hormones weren't going to be healthy. So testosterone and estrogen, progesterone, when I talk about sex hormones. And the adrenals trumped everything because um, we can't live without adrenals. If you don't have your adrenal glands, you will die instantly. Um, thyroid gland, you know, that's the second one in the in the hierarchy. Without our thyroid, we can live without our thyroid, although we won't be we won't feel optimal. Now we do probably need medication, thyroid medication replacement um, if we don't have a thyroid, but we can live without our thyroid. And our sex hormones. Um, we can live without sex hormones. There are men that live without their testes because of testicular cancer. There are women that live without their ovaries because of ovarian cancer. So we can definitely live without those. Won't be very fun. And we, we'll probably have to replace them to, to feel the uh, most optimal, but we'll live without them. We can't live without our adrenals. But Dr. Amy Beard, who has been on our podcast before, she is a wonderful functional medicine doctor out of Arkansas. I've met her and um, we've had a couple podcast sessions with her. She is the one that taught me that insulin, you know, really trumps all of those. So insulin as a hormone trumps all those. If our insulin response is not good, means our metabolic response is not good. So if our insulin levels are high, none of those other things will get better. So when I talk hormone optimization diet, I think it's important not, I think it's important to talk, to discuss how important our insulin response is. So if you don't know what your insulin level is, 
then you need to get it checked. Now, most traditional doctors don't know much about it, and they, they might even foo-foo against it. But when they routinely check you for diabetes, they check a fasting blood glucose. And many people will have a normal fasting blood glucose, even though they're really pre-diabetic. Um, because insulin is what respond you're because those patients insulins, they're still, their pancreas is still not making enough insulin that it's keeping their glucose low. So many times people have pre-diabetes for 10, 15, 20 years before their glucose actually starts to show up as abnormal and in the pre-diabetic range because their pancreas is still working. Um, so I think insulin is a more important marker for diabetes and especially overall metabolic health than fasting blood glucose because fasting blood glucose doesn't always tell the whole picture, kind of like a lot of labs don't. Remember, we need to look at labs as a tool, not as a tool to treat patients, the overall health of the patient, not just to treat, um, you know, a lab number. For instance, um, glucose. So glucose can run high for people that are very active. So I've ran, I've used a glu continuous glucose monitor before, and I am an endurance mountain bike racer. So I'll have five hour um, races sometimes. When I am riding my bike, my average glucose is between 130 and 150. It runs about 140 when I'm riding my bike. And that's regardless of if I'm fasting while riding my bike, and it's regardless of, or if I'm eating carbohydrates, it's regardless. My body is producing a bunch of glucose because I'm burning it. It says, okay, you need this glucose, so we're going to make more glucose so you burn it. So um, that doesn't mean I'm a diabetic. So when I check my average glucose, my average glucose is like 110 to 115. That would be a pre-diabetic range. But one of the reasons it's so high is because my body produces more glucose because it knows I'm going to burn it during exercise. Now, when I check my insulin, my insulin response, my insulin is super low. I don't need a lot of insulin. Insulin is released in our pancreas to help to lower glucose, take glucose out of our blood and bring it into our cells. Well, if you're burning the glucose, you don't need a lot of insulin. So if you're active and you're burning the glucose in your blood, you don't need a bunch of insulin release to take that insulin out. So my insulin is low, um, but my glucose is is a little bit higher. So if somebody didn't know me and didn't know how to interpret those lab levels, they might think I'm pre-diabetic. Now, here's the most important thing when it comes to, you know, we just talked about how labs are a tool to go along with symptoms and history. The most important thing is, you know, being metabolically healthy, you can, we can usually tell by looking in the mirror. Okay. So you can do all these fancy lab tests and you can chase your cholesterol numbers and you can chase your, your glucose numbers and you can chase your insulin. But in reality, it's like, when you look in the mirror, do you, do you look healthy? Are you a healthy body weight and not necessarily body weight, but body composition? Do you have a healthy amount of, of lean body mass and, 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 not too much um, body fat. That's what's important is, is body composition, not necessarily weight because BMI, body mass index, basically is height um, and weight. And many times people with a lot of lean body mass, I'm one of them, can be on those scales and look almost obese because your, your, your weight is, is high 
um, based on um, your height and because you're carrying a lot of lean body mass. And lean body mass is actually much more dense than fat. Obviously, think about it. Um, fat is oil kind of, and it's not very dense because it floats on, you know, it'll float on water, in water. So think about it that way. So it's ideal body composition, what's important. So your waist size, any any woman that has a waist size over 35 has increased risk of cardiovascular disease. Any man that has a waist size of over 40, increased risk of cardiovascular disease. So those are some other markers that you can use if you're healthy, rather than just, you know, fancy, fancy labs. So what is your insulin response? That That's what's really important when it comes to hormone optimization, in my opinion. Because if you don't have a healthy insulin response, if your insulin's super high, um, then it's not – you are not going to be able to um, have optimal thyroid. You're not going to be able to have optimal adrenal response because what happens when you're – when your glucose is high, well, your cortisol is probably going to be high. So your stress hormones are going to be high. And then it's really hard to get everything else into balance. So that's why diet is so important. So I already mentioned how exercise affects insulin. You don't need as much insulin if you exercise. Now, I'm not saying everyone needs to ride their bike five hours a day, um, which I do not do that, by the way. But even two hours a day, I'm not saying you have to exercise two hours a day to um, be healthy and have healthy hormones. Um, Diet is more important than exercise. Diet trumps exercise. We will die without food. We do not have to exercise to stay healthy, to to live. We have to have food to live. So if your insulin is high or if your glucose is high for that matter, if your glucose is high and you're not a type 1 diabetic, then chances are, in type 1 diabetics, you don't you don't make enough insulin, then chances are your insulin is going to be high um, if you're not on medication. And But that's okay because type 2 diabetes is easily reversible. Okay, maybe not easily reversible. It is reversible without medications. I'm a pharmacist. My wife is a pharmacist. We are two pharmacists who do not believe in medications to treat type 2, type 2 diabetes period. It is a carbohydrate metabolism issue. It can be fixed with your lifestyle, period. If you are talking to your doctor, if you're, ty- if you're type 2 diabetic and your doctor says that type 2 diabetes isn't reversible, get a new doctor. Seriously. I really seriously mean that. Okay. So what can you do if you're a type 2 diabetic and um, you don't want to exercise two hours a day? Well, diet is the most important. Remember, it's a carbohydrate metabolism problem. So you can just go low carb. You don't have to go low carb, high fat. You don't have to do that at all. You don't have to do um, 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 uh, a keto diet. I'm not saying that you couldn't do that. You got to find out what works for you. But I think what you need to do is be cognizant of eating carbs, especially processed carbs. Now, if you are a type 2 diabetic, I think just carbs in general. You know, you probably don't need a banana. Yes, I said it. You probably don't need an apple. And, and you definitely don't need it because we can definitely live without apples, bananas, and, and, and fresh fruit. We, we definitely can. Um, if I was a type 2 diabetic, I would recommend you you eat very, very, very little fruits. And, um, and stay away from most vegetables, honestly, because they can spike your glucose. That's where glucose comes from. I would focus on high protein, 
um, and fat. And, and if you focus on a red meat diet, you'll probably get a lot of that. You'll get um, you, you'll get a lot of protein for sure, and you will get some fat depending on how lean of, of cuts of meat you eat. Now, if you if you focus on chicken, chicken is basically pure protein, very little fat, um, especially if you eat chicken breasts, which is the white meat. Um, and you, that's going to be less calories also, which chances are if you're type two diabetic, you know, calories are important. And so, because you're probably overweight, not always, but probably overweight. So leaner portions of meat is probably better. I get it. You keto people out there that talk about, you know, high fat. I get that. That's a topic for a whole other conversation. I'm not saying it's bad. Um, but, um, I, I think sometimes in initially, depending on how metabolically unhealthy you are, keto can be very important when you kick yourself into ketosis, but you don't have to eat high fat to kick yourself into ketosis. You really have to eat low carb is what's important for ketosis. That's what makes you start burning other things besides glycogen, glucose um, in your body. So, um, so that's how you can stabilize your insulin. Go low carb, eat low carb bread, tortillas out of the question. Don't eat them. Uh, pasta, don't eat it. Just just be um, cognizant of it. And if it comes from a box in general, don't ever eat it. I'm not saying I don't do that. Um, but stay away from those processed foods. Focus on meat and your glucose will start to come down. Um, in fact, if you're on medication that can lower your glucose, you need to be very careful when you change your diet because that, that will be a problem because your glucose will start coming down. So that is the best way to normalize your, your insulin level um, is, is with diet, a low-carb diet. They, they're, and, and here's another thing, fasting. So if you have a doctor that lies to you and tells you that type 2 diabetes is not reversible, I want you to prove them wrong. I want you to fast for 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, it might not be very fun, especially the first 24 hours. Once you get past 24, it's pretty easy to go to 48. But um, if you're on any medication that will lower your glucose, please, please consult with your doctor or pharmacist about how to go about that process. Um, if you're on insulin, you know, you, you're going to have to be very, very, very careful and use a lot less insulin. So to prove your doctor wrong about why, how type 2 diabetes is reversible, do this with him. Or do this, fast for 24 to 48 hours. I guarantee you, guarantee you, your glucose will come back down to normal, as well as your insulin probably. Insulin might take a, a little bit longer, but it's going to come back down to normal. That right there is proof that type 2 diabetes is, is reversible. Um, the nice thing about that is it's only take 24 to 48 hours to prove to yourself that you can beat this disease. You can beat this diagnosis. You don't need to be on medication the rest of your life. So um, it's a great way to show yourself and to give yourself inspiration about that type 2 diabetes is reversible. So it looks like we have a comment here. What do we got going on here? Laura. Laura Vest-Turner, thank you so much for your comment. Thank you for watching today. Laura, you can't take a pill to fix a bad diet. <laughs> Absolutely not. Low-carb keto would be very helpful for most Americans. Absolutely. Stay away from anything with a barcode. Yes, that is so true, Laura. Um, thank you for your comment. Um, Laura has a very um, inspirational story. She lost like 135 pounds going keto. Um, if you follow her, she's got 
Keto Laura on Facebook. Um, look her, look her up and she, you can find her on Facebook, uh, Laura Best Turner. And she has a keto group that she has. It's, um, she follows, she does recipes and, and things. It's awesome. Thank you, Laura, for, for your comment. Uh, and there is also on that note, no pill that can change a, a bad diet. That is, that is, that is so true. Keto life with Laura. I should know that I see it every day, but keto life with Laura, it's, it's her keto group. Thank you, Laura. Um, there is no pill that can fix a bad diet. Also, there is no exercise that can fix a bad diet. You cannot exercise your way out of a bad diet. Okay. So if you're not eating correctly, it doesn't matter how much you exercise. Um, it, it, is not going to fix your issues. Um, there's three things that we can do to stay healthy. Uh, when we talk about hormone optimization diet, we have to talk about all these. It's sleep, it's exercise, and it's diet in general, in general. The most important, I, a lot of people will say, you know, if I want to be a, you know, if I want to be in the best shape of my life, I, I've got to exercise. No, that's not the most important. You talk to top Mountain bike racers, you talk to, you talk to um, top baseball players, top bodybuilders. The most important thing they do is their diet. Because remember, that's what we do. We eat more than, you know, during the day than we exercise. Most of us only exercise 30 minutes a day. I mean, true exercise at the gym, which most of us have sedentary jobs now. So really we have to, to get our activity in. We have to schedule it. So we have to ride our bike or we have to um, go to the gym. And, and most of us don't do that more than an hour a day. Well, I know overall, you know, we don't maybe eat three, four hours all day long, but we, we spend more time preparing food, um, thinking about it and, and that than we do exercise. So, um, and here's, here's the thing. We will die. You do not have to exercise to stay alive, period. Now, yes, you'll be healthier if you exercise, but obviously if you don't eat, you'll die. Now let's talk about sleep, sleep, sleep trumps all of them. If you are not sleeping, you will not have healthy hormones. You will not be healthy overall because we will die without sleep before we'll die without food. Most of us can live without food for three weeks. I mean, we have a good storage system um, of fat and, and our bodies are good at storing fat to prepare us for times of fasting. So um, most of us can live for three weeks without food, three days without, without sleep. And you'll literally go, you'll literally go psycho um, if you don't have sleep. So sleep trumps them all. And yes, for you night shift workers out there, I'm sorry, but we're made to sleep during the night and work during the day. And if you are having hormone type issues, um, and you are a night shift worker or you are a shift worker, um, you need to change your shift. We, we work during the day and we sleep at night. And I see this many times with women that are menopausal and you try to balance their hormones and it is just very, very difficult. Um, and, and I, I, you know, hats off to you guys that, that work nights, but we're made to work during the day and, and sleep at night. So, and I think especially as we get older, I think as we get younger, I used to do shift work as a pharmacist at a hospital when I was younger and I didn't do it into my, much into my thirties at all. I don't think. Um, but you know, 
it would it caught up to me as I got into my later twenties um, because it's it's just much more difficult to regulate that circadian rhythm as we get older. And part of that is is because of our hormone our hormones start to decline. So um, yeah, sleep trumps it all. Uh, if you're not sleeping, you're your doesn't really matter what you eat or what you exercise. Um, you're not sleeping. Your cortisol stays high. Cortisol is that stress hormone. Cortisol prepares us for stress. So it helps us hold on to fat, hold on to water, um, to prepare us to run from a lion or, you know, what we used to do, you know, centuries ago. Um, but we don't need it in our day-to-day lives normally. So if your cortisol is constantly high and it's not coming down, then it's very, very difficult to lose weight and to optimize your, your overall health. So um, let's see, specific when it comes to diet, I, I think the most important part is that you, if it, if it doesn't rot, don't eat it. Laura kind of said it um, with stay away from anything with a barcode. What, what does that mean? I mean, if you can scan at the grocery store and it has a barcode, that probably means it has a ton of preservatives in it. And and I'm not saying preservatives aren't bad. Preservatives have probably saved lives over many centuries from, you know, preventing food poisoning. Possibly you could argue that if we always ate fresh food and we didn't let it go bad in the first place, it would, it would not be an issue. I, I, I agree with that. So the fresher the food you eat, the better, the less processed, the better. Um, I get it. We had Dr. Um, um, Kilter on our show a few weeks ago, a few months ago, and he's a big proponent of the carnivore diet. And he says, well, of course I eat processed food. He eats meat only. He said, but I don't go out and kill my own meat and process it. You know, he goes to a local butcher. So, and that's what we do. We go to a local butcher. We love our local butcher, Post 5 Cattle Company out of Afraid of Washington. They are awesome. For any of our local viewers and listeners that are that are, that are um, watching, they amazing. We, we buy, we go through, we, we have two young boys. I should say young men. Sorry. They're 23 and 20, almost 21. And they're, they eat a lot of meat and they are independent and don't live at home anymore. But one of their, one of our rules is, you know, you can come, come over and help yourself to the freezer all you want um, with meat. And we go through one full beef, one full beef in four months. So two big kids, they, you know, 210 plus pounds, six foot four, six foot three. So big kids, they eat a lot of meat and I'm glad. Um, I'm glad that they can use that us as a source for that. Um, you know, so, but yeah, so about on the fasting thing also, I think when you start learning too fast, um, I'm, I'm a big believer. I, I do. My wife and I, we both eat about one meal a day. We, we basically eat dinner. We skip breakfast, we skip lunch and we, um, eat, eat a big, eat a big dinner, mostly meat based dinner. Um, and so our body, our, our glucose during the day is going, getting lower, um, burning all the stuff from the night before insulin goes lower. So our hormones start to regulate um, our system based on fasting. And I believe when you look at the history of our, of our bodies, you know, evolutionarily speaking, I believe that we were in a fasting state much of the time. That's why we're good at storing fat. Um, and that's why obesity is epidemic in America because we mostly have too much food and we're eating too much all the time. Um, you know, so we were, we were, we were made to be able to fast days at a time, actually. Um, you know, so I think fasting is very, very important and, and eat around your activity. 
So, you know, I did a mountain bike race, a stage race over the weekend, three days, a stage race. Each race was about, oh, 25 miles or so. Um, so a little less than 20, a little less than three hours to finish the race. Obviously, I cannot fast while I'm doing those races and I can't fast before and after. I have to fuel for those races. We should fuel around our activity. And I think, you know, historically speaking, when we look at our grandparents, for instance, you know, not our, you know, now many centuries ago, it wasn't the same, but um, because we were actually having to hunt for our food. But even two or three generations ago in the 50s and 60s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, when you look at how our grandparents ate, they, they did eat breakfast, they did eat lunch, and they did eat dinner. So what has changed over the last three centuries or over the last you know 50 to 60, 70 years? Obesity wasn't a problem then. Well, if you look at what you know, my grandparents did, they largely were they were uh, you know uh, agriculture based community, so they were farmers, so they were moving all the time up the crack of dawn at five o'clock in the morning. Of course, they needed breakfast um, because they were you know moving, bringing it out all, th all throughout the day. They weren't just sitting in an office space in front of a computer like I do most of the time. So. When you look at them and say, oh, breakfast is the most important part of the day. They ate breakfast. They weren't healthy or they were healthy. They weren't obese yet. But let's look at what kind of activity they were doing because their jobs usually usually weren't sedentary. So, well, we weren't able to get Dr. Jay Wrigley on. We will reach out to him um, and uh, talk to him more about his diet. We've had him on before and we had some technical difficulty and he actually was not able the his internet went out or somewhere he lost power or something so but go ahead and check him out dr jay wrigley's hormone optimization diet um i hit on a, a few of the things that he would discuss um but again realize that hormones are a piece of the pop a, a piece of the puzzle diet and your overall lifestyle is very very important without the building blocks um those hormones can't don't have have the necessary structure um, to tell the things where to go in your body to be healthy. So um, thanks for watching today. Thanks for all the comments. We appreciate you guys. Do not miss out tomorrow. We're having two podcasts in a row. Day-to-day, um, -day, our midweek podcast will be tomorrow. Dr. Dr. Uh, Kelly Victory, super excited to have her on. She is a frequent guest on um, the Dr. Drew Show. If you guys, any, any of you uh, Generation Xers like me that grew up watching MTV and watching Dr. Drew, um, she is uh, on his podcast quite frequently and discusses um, early COVID treatment. And we're going to be discussing the um, big pharma and how big pharma has kind of hijacked our medical schools and pharmacy schools. Uh, I've discussed that before in our podcast. And, in, and as you guys might know, you know, Janet and I are two pharmacists that don't believe in drugs to treat long-term disease. Wow, isn't that isn't that weird? Yeah, we really don't. Um, you know, when you look at cardiovascular disease, for instance, in, a, in the United States, when you look at diabetes, like we were just talking about, I, the drugs that we're giving to people, it's not working. I, I mean, I, I don't care what kind of science you want to, to, to give me about these drugs and all that. I don't care. Really, honestly, as a pharmacist, this sounds really arrogant or maybe even ignorant, but when one of these new diabetes drugs comes out, I just let it go in one ear and out the other other ear. It is not a solution to type two diabetes. I don't care how they work. Um, you know, it, it's it's a diet related problem. So, Jan and I, it's very powerful that two pharmacists do not believe in drugs to treat long term disease.
Um, that's very, very powerful. And we're using that to our advantage to, to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So another thing, cardiovascular disease, statins, you know, the high cholesterol drugs, um, they're not working. <laughs> Heart attacks and strokes are at all time high in, in the United States and statins have been out for 30 years. They're not working. You know, all these drugs for reflux or, or gastrointestinal problems, let's face it, um, gastrointestinal problems are usually caused by a diet. Yes, I have gastrointestinal problems still um, when I eat too much. So, but I don't need a drug. I just need to realize that and not eat as much. So, um, but again, you know, um, Laura said it with her comment about a pill to fix a bad diet. There's many different diseases that could be caused by a bad diet. And what do we do? We just, you know, big pharma comes up with, and our, and our healthcare system comes up with another drug to treat a bad diet. Well, why don't we just fix the diet? So those are some things we're going to talk about tomorrow is that how, you know, big pharma has really hijacked our healthcare system. And instead of treating problems, we're just, we're just, we're just, instead of fixing problems, we're just treating symptoms. So you don't want to miss out on that tomorrow with uh, Kelly Victory. Go to our, we, we stream live on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And I want to make sure that you guys don't miss this. So I think it's at 830 tomorrow, but please go to, we have a, a personal, we have a health solutions, Facebook page, health solutions with Sean and Janet Needham um, on our Facebook page. You can go to my personal Facebook page to find it also and find out when that podcast is. I think it's at 830 tomorrow with Kelly Victory. You, you do not want to miss out on that. Um, so thank you for tuning in health solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. We'll see you all tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you.